Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. It's just really great to get back together at the start of a new year. Um, I hope you've had a great Christmas. I hope you've had time to connect with family and friends. Um, New Year's can be a bit daunting, can't they, I think? At the start of a new year, particularly January is when things get a bit, well, I'll say colder, but it's, it's all gone wrong, hasn't it? It's, the weather's just topsy-turvy at the moment. But, um, yeah, I want to begin this year as a church by reflecting a little bit on, on last year. As Kitty mentioned, in August last year, you know that our building was uh, flooded. We were down... No, let's get this right. We were, we were up and across in Cheltenham. I said down in Cheltenham in the first service. I got lambasted from the front. Um, so... We were in Cheltenham for our son's, our, our son's wedding at an Airbnb, and on the morning uh, afterwards, um, Martin rang me with the words, no joke, Riverside is flooded. And uh, Matt had come with the band, the worship band early, and they'd found water sort of cascading out the doors. And, uh, well, it was, um, there was lots of this around, lots of water. And we, we entered this season thinking about the amount of disruption and the amount of clean-up involved. And I was thinking, God, how are you going to redeem this? What's going to come out of this? A man called Benjamin Franklin once said that out of adversity comes opportunity. And I think what happened was an opportunity arose for us to do church a bit differently. So we, we moved into this cafe space. You were all very good about that. You adapted very quickly. We did two services. Uh, and I think God's met us quite powerfully here, hasn't he? He's met us in this space. I've had the joy of looking out most Sundays and seeing the Holy Spirit resting on you. And equally, your eagerness to connect with God, I think, has been really encouraging so God's been with us in this adversity in the opportunities that came from it and uh, 2021 culminated us using this space and a rather chilly space behind that wall to do our our carol services and we had a fantastic time we had a a great time we had I think about 250 people come through across those three services lots of people from the community joined we had a great little band that Mark put together from the school where he teaches music and uh, we had a great time, didn't we? Everyone come to those times and enjoy that? I mean, Brigitte said to me at the start of the year, we can use our cafe and we can use our unfinished phase three space for Christmas service. I said, you're a bit mad. I'm sorry, that's not what we're going to do. But we did it because of the necessity that came out of the adversity. Someone once said that necessity is the mother of invention. So when you have to do something, uh, you have to get creative about how you're going to do it. And for us, we, we wanted to bring the gospel to people at Christmas, so how could we do that? And uh, it was Martin who had the great idea of using that space down there as kind of our outdoor, indoor space to actually serve food and have refreshments and entertainment. And so I love the idea that out of adversity, out of necessity, came these two things, came opportunity and invention. And I want to think about the start of the new year, how do we maintain a mindset of opportunity and invention, even when we're not faced with floods? even when we're not faced with having to do things because other things are taken away from us? How do we maintain a sense of creativity as we look forward into 2022? The Apostle Paul, he wrote to a church in Galatia, and he wrote uh, these words. He said, Let us not become weary in doing good. For the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity... Let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Now, Paul 
is using a, a farming metaphor here. He's talking about harvests and he's talking about sowing. And he's saying, effectively, if you sow goodness, eventually you'll reap a harvest. If you sow goodness, eventually you'll reap a harvest. And the words that Paul uses here, if we do not give up, well, that's to do with a farmer getting home after a hard day at work and slackening his belt, loosening his belt off, sort of collapsing in a chair, he stopped working. And so the words here, do not give up, mean to slacken or to loosen or to give up. And so a farmer in the morning, he'd belt up, he'd pull his trousers up tight, he'd go out to work, he'd do a hard day's work, and when he got home, he'd loosen his belt, he'd kind of collapse in a heap. And Paul says, there's a danger with doing good that we'll just slacken our belts and we'll stop, we'll give up. And this is a danger that faces any kind of spiritual farmer, Paul is saying. Anybody who's seeking to sow goodness, there's a danger at some point you'll just slacken your belt and you'll just stop doing good, you'll stop sowing good. You'll grow weary, in fact, in doing good. Why would any of us want to give up sowing goodness? Well, Paul tells us there's two main reasons. The first one is that sowing takes effort. If you're going to sow seed or sow goodness, it's going to take it out of you. And anybody who's been in any kind of profession or care where they're sowing goodness for somebody else, it's a life exchange, isn't it? It takes energy. If you're caring for somebody or seeking to serve somebody or do good to somebody, effectively you're taking from yourself and you're giving to them. Paul described it in another letter like, I'm being poured out like a drink offering, he said. It's effectively, I'm being poured out on your behalf. My life is being given for your good. And so if you're sowing good around the people that you know and connect with, it's going to take it out of you. It's going to take effort. And that's the first reason why you might stop, because you might grow weary in doing good. And the second thing is that the harvest takes time to grow. You don't always see the immediate effects of what you sow. In fact, any crop that you sow takes a while to grow up. So a farmer in faith, he sows seed and he goes away and he hopes that seed will grow up into a crop if nature takes its course. And Paul says you might get worn out from doing good, from sowing good, because you don't see the immediate results of what you've sown. And you and I live in a culture that's very much an immediate culture, isn't it? We expect things to happen instantly. Instantly. You can order something in the morning and have it on your doorstep by the evening. It's an incredible society we now live in of immediacy. But if you're sowing goodness and you're not seeing immediate results, you might think, well, I'm not making any difference. It's not worth doing. Therefore, I'll stop. I'll loosen my belt. I'll sit down. I'll slacken off. I'll just stop. But Paul says the premise is this. If you sow, then a harvest will come. It will grow up. Paul's very good at using this word, therefore, in his letters. He says, there's a truth, and because of that truth, then you need to do this. So he says, there's a premise here. The premise is, if you sow, there will be a harvest. Therefore, he says, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Now, Paul isn't saying that we should treat fellow Christians especially different from people outside. He's just saying we need to be uniform in the way we sow goodness. It's no good saying goodness to a work colleague and then coming in and being really nasty to somebody in church, is it? That's not going to work. He's saying be uniform in the way that you sow goodness. And Paul's talking about two different kinds of time in this passage. He's talking about proper time and what I'll call this morning opportune time, opportunity. So the first 
kind of time that Paul is talking about, he's talking about God's time. The, the receivers of this letter would have understood God's time. And for them, God's time would have meant when it was right in God, something would happen. And so Paul is saying to them, if you sow goodness, then you can entrust the harvest to God. Because at the right time, God will bring forth the harvest. Your job is to sow. Your job is to sow goodness and entrust that what you do will come forth at the right time in God. And so that's the kind of God time that they understood when Paul wrote this letter. And the second kind of time Paul is talking about, we've translated opportunity in the modern translation of the Bible. It doesn't really help what Paul was trying to say. Because for him, it means a continual present opportunity. When you and I think about opportunity, you think about things that come along sporadically or occasionally. We get an opportunity. But for Paul, the opportunity is a continual one. And so he says to them effectively this. The results of doing good will come at the right time, and now is the right time to do good. That's a paraphrase of what he's saying to them. So the results of what you do will come in God's time, and it's always the right time, always the opportune time to do good, to sow goodness. It's a continual present opportunity. So for Paul, he wasn't waiting for the opportunities to do good to come along. He approached every day as a continual opportunity to do good, which is challenging, isn't it? He saw through the lens because of Jesus and what Jesus had done in his life and what God was doing in the lives of people around him, every day was full of opportunity to sow goodness. And so by writing to the Galatians and by speaking to us now through these words, he's saying don't neglect this ever-present opportunity to do good. What he's saying in a nutshell is don't get bad at being good. Don't get bad at being good. Don't slacken off. Don't miss the opportunities that are always before you to do good. That's really challenging, isn't it, at the start of 2022? I'm telling you effectively that Paul tells us that good doesn't get a day off. Oh, okay. I was kind of hoping to have Friday off from being good this week. Because we all feel like occasionally we want a day off from being good, don't we? We want a day to be selfish or a day to be self-obsessed or a day to be a bit mean or a bit grouchy or a bit unforgiving. or a bit. We feel entitled to a, a day off from being good. But Paul says that, that, that doesn't work that way. Because of Jesus and what Jesus has done for us and the Spirit working in us, every day is a continual present opportunity to do good to people around us, to sow goodness. Because if we sow goodness and we don't get tired of sowing goodness, then a harvest is going to grow up because God's going to take care of that side of things for us. So good doesn't get a day off, and we'll come back to that in a little moment. But I want to talk about the second half of this uh, talk, this idea of invention, opportunity and invention. So Paul wrote to another church back in the day, a church in Corinth, and he said this to them. He said, though I'm free, I belong to no one. I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I've become like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I've become like one under the law, though myself I'm not under the law, so as to win those under the law. You following me? A lot of laws in there. To those not having the law, I become like one not having the law, although I'm, fr- I'm not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I become weak to win the weak. I become all things to all people, so by all means possible, 
I might save some. We get a window into the way the Apostle Paul tried to contextualise the gospel for every kind of person that he met. He continually reinvented himself into different social settings with different people to try and ensure the only barrier... Well, there was no barrier. He was trying to remove all the barriers, so the only thing they had to receive was the gospel. He wasn't, trying to, he wasn't trying to wrap the gospel in a certain way, in a certain construct, in a certain, in a certain style. He was saying, here's the gospel. I'm going to try and get out of the way as much as I can to present Jesus to you. Use this term to win people, to try and give them everything they could get uh, of Jesus, to take Jesus fully into their hearts. So he becomes like a Jew to reach his own people. Paul was a Jew. He was a, a Jewish believer. So he needed sometimes to speak in Jewish ways and reference Jewish things to try and contextualise Jesus for Jews. He became like people under the law, the people who were religious, to try and help them understand that actually Jesus set them free from the law. He becomes like people who don't have the law, to try and reach the secular people, the people who are outside the law of God, or any understanding of God's laws. And then he becomes weak to reach the vulnerable people, the powerless people, to try and present Jesus to them as well, a Jesus not based on status or position. So if necessity is the mother of invention, Paul's necessity was to try and get Jesus to as many people as possible in as many different ways as possible. So he continually reinvented himself into all these different social settings to get Jesus across. The church has often, though, had a, historically a, a come-to-us attitude. It's kind of set its stall out. It's kind of created a religious construct and said, if you want to have faith, if you want to know God, you come into this way of doing things, into this style, into this construct. If you, you have to fit in to basically be a person of faith if you want to do church. But Paul was very much the opposite. He took Jesus into every context, to every person. He contextualised and reinvented Jesus continually so people could find faith. He became all things to all people. All things to all people. To bring Jesus close to as many different people as he possibly could. The word save that's used here that is sometimes a strange word in, in scripture. It's sozo and it means to make whole. It means to heal, to protect, and to make whole. So Jesus wanted to bring as much of the wholesomeness of Jesus into people's lives as possible. He wanted to bring as much of the healing and protection of Jesus into people's lives as possible. He was preoccupied with taking Jesus, the wholeness of Jesus, to as many people as possible. Now just imagine you're Paul for a moment. Who would be your own people? Who would be the people like you? If you were to try and take Jesus to people like you, who would they be? And who would be the, um, <clears throat> the religious people you know? Don't look around the room. <laughs> who would be the religious people? Maybe they're the de-church people. Maybe the people who've given up on church and faith. Maybe they've been hurt. Maybe they've just got a disillusion with those kind of religious constructs they've grown up with. We find many of those sort of people orbiting our lives. And who would be the secular people? I'm sure you know many of those people. 
These are people who are happy with their lives. They're happy with what they've got. They're happy with what they're doing. They're normally well-behaved. They're good people. They don't have a felt need to be saved. They don't feel guilty about life. But we believe for them to have the best life, they need to know Jesus. They need to experience the wholesomeness and the wholeness that Jesus brings. So who are those people for you? How would you introduce Jesus to them? And who are the vulnerable people that you know, the weak, the marginalised, the people without the voice, the people who feel disqualified from faith because of their circumstances? Who are those people in your lives, the disenfranchised? Opportunity and invention. Paul incorporated these things into his life because of what Jesus had done for him. He saw his whole life as an opportunity to present the goodness of God. And not only that, he saw the necessity of that. He believed Jesus was of such value that anyone should be able to receive Jesus. Jesus was applicable and valuable for anyone, for the Jew, the non-Jew, the the lawbreaker, the law upholder, the, the weak. For him, Jesus was the right person for all these different people. And because of that, he was creative about how he brought Jesus to people. He didn't just draw a line and say, come and cross over this. I'm going to take Jesus to you. In fact, I'm going to package Jesus in a way that you will be able to receive because I want to remove all the barriers, all the religious constructs out of the way so you can receive Jesus for who he is. So the start of 2022, guys, I want to say, how can we be a bit more Paul? How can we approach every day, see it as a continuing opportunity to sow good, How can we get in our hearts, actually, Jesus is a necessity to people. Maybe you need to rethink that. Maybe you've grown up with religious language that doesn't help you when you think about why Jesus is a necessity. But maybe just knowing the root word of that word save is the wholesomeness of that word. Jesus is the person who comes and makes us whole. Whatever wholeness looks like for any particular type of person. He's the one who comes and makes us whole. So how can we see every day as an opportunity to sow goodness, to sort of wake up and think, I've got a big bag of seed on my hip and I'm going to cast that freely throughout the day, even to the people who aren't very nice to me, even to the people who I don't think deserve it. I'm going to just cast and sow goodness freely, believing that God's going to raise a harvest up because of my sowing. And how can we replenish ourselves? How can we make sure we don't get tired of doing good? If you're in a particular demanding caring job or a caring role where you're, you're pouring out your life on behalf of somebody else or others, you need to make sure you're getting an inflow of God's love into your heart and into your life because you will reach a point where you grow weary of doing good. We don't have it in ourselves. We don't have all the resources in ourselves to be able to be continually do good, but Jesus can enable us to do that. He can put his life and love in us so we have an overflow to give to others. So how how can we replenish ourselves continually so we can be the people of goodness? I haven't got some quick fix answers I'll put on the screen there for you, I'm afraid. This is something we're going to journey together, you know. How can we together as a people sow goodness into 2022? How can we be creative about how we do that? Thinking about all these people that are going to come to this town. There's so many houses being built in this area, isn't there? God is sending so many new people to this area. Lots of different kinds of people. 
all sorts of different people. How do we invent ourselves in a way to bring the gospel to them? How do we put ourselves into their context so they understand who Jesus is? I think we need the Holy Spirit to help us right at the start of the year to, to see the necessity of Jesus, not in a religious way or a fearful way or a guilty way, but Jesus is the one who makes the difference ultimately. For everybody, Jesus is the one who makes the difference. And so for Paul, that meant that for him it was a necessity, a preoccupation to take Jesus to people. You don't have to feel guilty about that. You don't have to feel obliged or under religious obligation or anything. To, But I think if you somehow ask God to help us see the necessity of Jesus, even in these modern crazy times, because Jesus can bring wholeness and healing and protection and security and identity in a way that nothing else can. So why don't we just stand together and ask the Holy Spirit to help us this morning as we, as we start into this year. Maybe just begin by closing your eyes and thinking about all those different people that are in an orbit around you. People that are like you, people who are similar to you. Maybe people you've known a long time, maybe people you've grown up with, people you hang out with. And maybe you know some religious people who just switched off from church. Maybe just completely disillusioned with faith. Maybe you know some happy moral secularists, some people who are just enjoying life, just being happy where they are. How would Jesus be brought to them through your relationship, through the authenticity that you share together? How could God give you creative ways to talk about him with people that weren't weird or religious? Or and about the weak, those people don't have a voice. Those people perhaps feel disqualified or marginalised. I've lost count of that people who just feel frightened to come into a church because of the guilt they feel. So many people suffer with what's called shame-based trauma. They carry that inherent feeling of shame within. God can set them free. God can bring healing and wholeness to so many people. So Lord, right at the start of this year, as we gather together, God, we ask for your spirit to come and fill us and equip us. Lord, I want it to be the most natural thing in the world that we're a church who sows goodness without even thinking about it because of who you are in our lives. Trusting you with the harvest, Lord. Trusting you with the, what will grow up, God, if we do our part in just, just sowing goodness into this community and into the lives of each other, Lord. Help us to sow goodness as we come into church, God. Help us, God, to reach all the people that are coming. God, we want to do what Paul did. We want to, we want to be all things to all people. With you at the centre, Lord. You at the centre. So come, Holy Spirit. We welcome you today. I was praying in the first service. I got the word safe, and I felt the Lord wanted to say to us this morning that we are secure in Him. We are secure in Him. I saw him kind of put, put us on a, on a tricycle. And normally you graduate from a tricycle to a two-wheel bike, but 
It's kind of like we were going backwards and God put us on a tricycle because you can't fall off a tricycle. It's very hard to fall off a tricycle. But you can fall off a bike. And I think lots of us are frightened about falling off at some point or falling over. As we look at 2022, we're fearful that the year might break us in some way. But God actually says, no, I'm going to put you on a tricycle. I'm going to put you on a stable footing, a secure footing. So regardless of what the year throws at you, you are safe and secure in me. So if you have fear about the year this morning, about the unknown, fear about maybe falling off in some way, hurting yourself, getting hurt, just offer that up to the Lord this morning. Just say, Lord, let me experience that sense of safety and security in you. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord. Let us feel firm ground under our feet this morning, I pray. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. And God, just help us to sow goodness freely, Lord, generously into the lives of the people around us. Give us just that awareness every day, a day full of opportunity. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just a lovely sense of the Lord here again today. And I encourage the first guys in the first service not just to lean into activity straight away. There's temptation at the start of the year to get you to do lists out and all your plans and your goals and your this and your that. I felt the Lord say, just lean to me, first of all. You know, activity can be a, a place that we hide in. And God doesn't want you to hide from him in activity. He wants you to, uh, to journey with him. So right at the start of the year, just lean into God. Don't lean into a list of activities or goals. or Just lean into him. Start with him. Whatever that looks like for you. Thank you, Jesus. We ask this in your precious, precious name. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.